Welcome to the Tash Show Podcast. An interesting story, Dev, that we've shared online on the FM 96 Facebook fan page. Getting a bunch of comments from listeners already this morning about a street in Oak Ridge here in London that uh, a young girl wants the name changed of the street. Tell us more. Yeah, there's a nine-year-old girl. She lives on uh, Plantation Road. Her name's uh, Lila Wheeler. She, uh, according to her parents on the story in the uh, London Free Press, has a bit of a... uh, an activist streak for it, like in, in, a, in a good way, and she's uh, bothered by the name Plantation Road because of uh, what she sees are links to the word uh, to the word plantation with slavery. So she has started a petition to uh, change the name of the street. She's reached out to her ward councillors. This is Ward Eight. Steve Lehman is the councillor there to see about uh, changing the name. The process of changing a street name is you need to have everyone else, not everyone, but you need to have a majority of the homeowners on the street, on this street, there are 33 homeowners, agree to the name change. It costs about $10,000. There's a whole process. They have like a public participation meeting and they go through. But um, there's been some people who are uh, who agree with the idea, and some others who on the street who uh, do not agree. Well, if your street name changes, you got to change all your information. You got to get a new driver's license. Like there's a lot of stuff that every person on that street is going to have to do if they change the name of the street. A hundred percent. And that $10,000 I do believe is paid by the residents, not the city. Oh, wow. Hmm. I could be wrong on that, but I do believe that's how I believe it. It works with the name, the naming of specific roads and streets. How old is this girl? She's nine years old, nine years old. And good for her for doing something. I wasn't doing that when I was nine years old. Jim, what are some of the comments uh, on the Facebook page? Uh, Lincoln says, This is what happens when kids are only taught virtue signaling and no real history and ethics. Luke says, But what about where we grow bananas? Plantation doesn't inherently link to slavery. It's just a name for a farm that produces only plants. Jason says, It's history. It's not happening right now. That's the difference. There's a lot of things that happened years ago that are not welcome in today's society. We can't change history. This is a young... She's white, right? She's a young yes. white girl. But uh, in the article, it says she has a black friend. And from a parent standpoint, I could understand how awkward it w- would be if you were having your kid's black friend over and you had to yeah. give the address to the black parents and you lived on planted like i get it yeah i'd be like uh you just take a left at sobeys <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna tell you the name of my street i'm just gonna give you a landmark yeah. you can find it. <laughs> but uh it, it's some people agree like you said some people don't agree there's been plantations that haven't utilized slaves of course. But you look at, there was a restaurant called Plantation Downtown London, and they changed the name to Symposium, right? Because, for the for the same reason, because of the links, and some people would see that word, and it would, uh, it, it would bother them. Now, I'm just, I don't know the history of why that road was named that road, but Plantation also refers to tobacco farms, too. A lot of tobacco farms in the area back when that road would mm-hmm. have been named, so it's, I'm assuming related to that. She wants to change the name from plantation to what? Daisy Drive is her idea because in the in the area they have a lot of uh, tree and t- and flower named uh, street names. So Daisy Drive she feels would fit in with everything else. Jim, you noticed something. There's a picture of this young girl and her mother in the free press. You noticed something in this picture. Yeah, the mother is wearing a purple shirt that's covered in daisies. 
Because obviously the criticism here is that maybe it's the mother speaking through her daughter. Uh, maybe she's the daughter who is probably an intelligent young a lady. great kid. Sure. Maybe she's being encouraged a little more from her parents. So, yeah, look at what the mother's wearing, the daisy shirt. Now, she could just have a daisy shirt. There's a reporter coming over, so obviously <laughs> she would wear a shirt to promote the, the new name of the street. Daisy Drive. You notice something else in the article. Yeah, Jim. so I read this too, and there's just a couple things that are kind of bothering me here. So the uh, the journalist here writes this. Lila's seamstress mother, Kristen, said fairness is a big issue for her daughter. Quote, she's always been very aware of equal rights and things like that, Kristen said. There's so much empathy for others. A visit to her home confirms this. On a living room wall is a vintage poster of slain U.S. presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy. And a chalkboard on another wall sports a quote from Gandhi. To believe in something and not to live it is dishonest. <coughs> the young girl didn't decorate her home. The mom did. So the interior decorating doesn't confirm that the daughter has empathy. Mom, could we please put a Gandhi quote on that chalkboard? And- <laughs> I see a nice picture of RFK hanging over the mantel place. Well, what I'm do you going, think? I'm going back and forth between JFK and RFK. What do you think, Mom? <laughs> and here, Mom, the reporter's coming over. Could you please put on this Daisy shirt? <laughs> <laughs> the thing that gets me, and I don't know if this nine-year-old girl has thought of this or her mother has thought of this, but you want to change the name of the street from Plantation Road because of the, the link to slavery. And you want to change it to Daisy Drive? Have you not seen the movie Driving Miss Daisy? Oh, oh there it is. <laughs> it, it did not think that one through. <laughs> She's only nine. That movie came out like 25 years ago. So sit down, watch Driving Miss Daisy, and then maybe have another brainstorm session to come up with a name for the road. And this is another one of those moments there. Like, if you told 15-year-old Taz that one day he was going to be calling Cheech Marin at home. Mind blown. He's been in so many great movies. From Dusk Till Dawn. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> His speech in that movie, a little, uh, a little offside. <laughs> uh... He's done a lot of family stuff, some some big time comedies, but obviously Cheech Marin, obviously going to be connected with Tommy Chong, Cheech and Chong, one of the great all time comedy duos, and I can remember the first time I was introduced to them. I was watching late great movies on City TV, and they were showing one of their films, and Cheech and Chong were wrestling the Invisible Man. Have you seen that bit before? That, uh, the guy, he's got like the scarves around him and he comes yeah. out and he turns invisible uh, once he gets in the ring. And they grab him by the junk and <laughs> stretch it around the entire wrestling ring. <laughs> Cheech and Chong back together and they're coming to London, Ontario. Let's give Cheech Marin a call here. Hello. Is that Cheech? Where are you? In the flash. It's Taz and Jim up here in London, Ontario, Canada. Oh, how's everything in London, Ontario? Well, we're talking to Cheech, so it's pretty <laughs> good, man. 
How can you guys not get back together and go on tour with what just happened here in Canada? It's the O Cannabis that's, Tour coming up. That's what we we thought. You know, we we we, all, we were going to call it the Catch 'Em Before They Croak Tour, but you know, <laughs> O Cannabis sounded better. <laughs> <laughs> Are you living in L.A. still, Cheech? I am living in L.A., but, but half the time out in Joshua Tree, California. Oh, nice. And Tommy, he's up here part time, isn't he? Vancouver, maybe. Yeah, up in, up in Vancouver, eh? and he's in L.A. of the other half of the time. Back in the day when you guys were smoking, you, I, I'd assume you were total heat scores. Like, were you getting pulled over all the time? Did you have trouble going through customs, like in the late 70s, early 80s? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, the opposite, you know. But police and customs officials really liked us, you know, so they kind of scooted us on through. It was amazing, but we now that the things, the climate has changed, especially in Canada, where it's legal in the whole country. We've devoted a special part of our show to that, so that we start the show with a tribute section, and then we clear this in front of the stage, and we allow the audience to come up to the stage and lay tribute at our feet. Usually, it's about three or four, sometimes five pounds worth of tribute. Oh, so you're <laughs> saying the people come up and they pull joints out of their pockets or edibles or something like that, and they present an offering to you? It's tribute, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys deserve it. Like, this must be, especially for Tommy, who had some legal problems, this must be vindication yeah. for him. And, and you guys know you were right all along. You know, that's what we kept saying, you know, that, oh, you guys promoted marijuana, blah, blah. You know, hey, what if we're right? What if marijuana is good for you? <laughs> and we're finding out that it is. So, you know, so we're going to expand the tribute section now. It's maybe the first half hour of the show. We, people come and lay tribute at our feet. <laughs> Speaking of those, uh, the tributes and the weed you guys are, are smoking now, you always hear people talk about how the weed these days is so much more potent than it was, say, in the 70s. Do you agree? Well, yeah. I mean, so is the corn and so is the gasoline, you know, so <laughs> everything progresses. Back in the day, everyone would want to smoke a joint with Cheech and Chong. Who are? Can you name drop any big celebrities that maybe you wouldn't expect that, that toked with you guys? Well, some that you would expect, like Timothy Leary, who was a good buddy of ours. We uh, we smoke with him all the time. But uh, uh, you know, heads of country. <laughs> the, the <Mugis> <laughs> was Pierre Elliott Trudeau one of them? Well, we're not. We can't say. I'll open the air. It was a lot of them were really small countries. They only like about a half a block long. <laughs> but uh, you know, and they're self-declared countries. So. <laughs> Like that. We've got Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong on the phone with us. Uh, after you and Tommy uh, parted ways back in the 80s, you started getting some serious roles in a lot of family movies, like some Disney stuff, The Lion King, Cars, Coco. Do you ever get high and watch yourself as a cartoon, Cheech? <laughs> No, watching the questions makes me high, man. As a matter of fact, I'm doing another history project on the 17th and 18th of May at the Hollywood Bowl. They're doing a, recrea a live recreation of, of The Little Mermaid, and I'm going to play Louis, the French chef, and I'm going to sing the part. 
So I'm going to get paid to sing at the Hollywood Bowl. It's one of the highlights of my career. Was there any hesitation when you first were making that transition for uh, these family movies, for them to put you in, given your your past in the the stoner comedies? Well, not on my side, and I'm sure not on their side, because they offered me jobs, you know. My goal after we broke up uh, the first time is is to... uh, um, do anything that didn't have a giant joint in it, you know, in order to, you know, because how do you change your image from Cheech or Cheech and Chong to anything else? And so I, I, I and animation was the one that, 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 that kind of was first up, and that, that people came to me and wanted me to do animation, so that was perfect. So they didn't have any big joints in Disney movies, so I thought it was great. <laughs> one of your big starring roles in a movie that uh, thematically really holds up is, is Born in East L.A., did I hear? Is there a remake yeah. in the works on that? Uh, maybe Born Again in East LA. <laughs> 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 but don't you think, with the political climate, it would be the perfect movie for a big studio to redo? I, I wouldn't be against it. You know, come on, big studio, <laughs> send me that check. What else can uh, people in London, Ontario, expect from Cheech and Chong on the O Cannabis tour when you guys stop here September twenty eighth? A lot of music, because, you know, we had a lot of music that's in our career, and those will be included in the show, and a lot of dancing, music, and songs and witty sayings. <laughs> uh, fingers crossed you're going to sing the French chef song from Little Mermaid as well. <laughs> so you guys are good, you may. <laughs> That'll be the encore, the second encore. <laughs> We're excited to have you here, man. We're going to watch for that uh, that bus with the smoke billowing out the windows to roll into town here September 28th at Budweiser Gardens. We'll just change it to Bud Gardens for that day. Tickets now on sale. If you're a freeloader at FM96.com, you can find the details. Thank you very much. Remember the first part, the tribute part. That's really important. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you up there. See you, Cheech. Devin Peacock is back. Thanks for all the well wishes, Dev. Uh, you're getting a lot of people concerned about your health oh. the past couple days. Well, thank you, everybody, for uh, for thinking of me. You're better, though. 100% was just a quick 24-hour something or other that you got, right? Yeah, I, um, I had a bug. Let's just leave it at that. Was it the white and blue flu? <laughs> that was, uh, you know, just as I was getting over the actual bug, I got that, and then I just, uh, you know what? I'm going to take another day off. The Leafs made you sick again. Oh, well, not only that, but also, and I know we're going to talk picks here, but all this talk where people are just trying to bury Mike Babcock is just like, people got to give it a rest. You think it's ridiculous to talk that they should fire him because he didn't give Matthews enough playing time? <laughs> Matthews playing an extra three minutes is not the reason why they lost this series. Or, like, the whole idea that, you know, it's like, should he have played more? Sure. But that's not the reason why they're not playing anymore. Like, if they had won the series, would people be saying, well, geez, we won despite it, like, in spite of Mike Babcock? No, people would be singing his praises. Look at all the teams that have made it through so far in the playoffs. Are they playing revolutionary hockey or are they playing the type of hockey Mike Babcock wanted the Leafs to play that they were playing great up until they chunked in game six and seven? Is John Tortorella really a better coach than Mike Babcock? You know what I mean? That's If that's what yeah. we're, we're judging here. Like, when Mike Babcock was hired by the Leafs, he was paid $8 million. All the Leafs fans were crowing, we've got the best coach 
in the NHL. Are you telling me like three or four years later, all of a sudden he's lost the magic? <laughs> Give me a break. People had such short memories. You can blame Nazem Kadri for getting suspended. You can blame the players for not being up to the up to it in Game Six for having virtually no shots for the first couple of periods. Blame the players for not coming through in Game Seven. Blame Freddie Anderson in Game Seven for not having the greatest game. I'm not saying we should trade Freddie Anderson, but he didn't play the greatest in Game Seven. Like there's more than one person who's responsible for this collective loss. It's not just Mike Babcock. Well, it's good to see you're feeling better, Deb. <laughs> so in conclusion, it wasn't the white and blue flu. It didn't affect him at all. I don't want to know what colors the flu actually was. <laughs> Let's talk about the uh, the second round here. I don't even know why we're doing picks after that first round. Because <laughs> a lot of people, like if this was the, the new hit, hit or miss lottery that they have going on, where if you're wrong on all your picks, you win something, a lot of people would have won money, but... Uh, Blue Jackets and Bruins tonight, 7 p.m. Who are you picking in that series? I am going to throw my full weight and support behind the Boston Bruins. <laughs> hmm. yeah, I think we should, too. Let's you jinx the Bruins. Now that the Leafs have lost, I really like these Bruins guys, huh? <laughs> I saw a lot in that series that <laughs> I was drawn to. They got a lot of spunk. Hey, Jim, let's put some money on the Boston Bruins. That way, you as a Leaf fan will win either way because either the Bruins will lose because you bet on them or... You'll win some money. Mm-hmm. You should. This is awesome. Yeah, two hundred bucks, three hundred. Because I bet against the Leafs and I wanted them to win. It's like the reverse <laughs> of what I was doing. Because if they won, I would have been happy, and if they lost, I would have won money. Stars and Blues, nine thirty tonight. I'm going to go with the Blues. Hurricanes and Islanders tomorrow. Who are you picking in that one? I'm going to go with the Islanders. Avalanche and the Sharks. I'm going to go with the Sharks. That would be nice. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's uh, not exactly a murderer's row of uh, <laughs> of uh, high-profile teams the advertisers are in favor of. I mean, if you're the NHL, you got to be hoping Boston makes it the whole way through at this point. Because there are a lot of sports fans and hockey fans in Boston. I mean, if you're the NHL, you're probably hoping for Boston and the Islanders to make it through to the East Final and for San Jose and Dallas to make it through in the West Final because you're, I mean, they're looking for the media markets, and Dallas pretty big, Boston, New York, and in San Jose and California. But, but I mean, even okay. then, even then, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dev. Couple friends in studio here. We've got uh, Greg Benz, local artist, joining us. Good morning, Greg. Hi there. And another artist, Richard Sturgeon, in studio. Hey, Rich. How you doing? Did you go by Rich or Richard? I go by Richard or Rich or I, I answer to pretty much anything. Okay. I'll call you Richard. <laughs> All right. We'll go <laughs> Sounds with Sounds more professional. It sure does. There we go. <laughs> uh, reason you guys are here, you've been working hard getting ready for this weekend coming up. It's the London Artist Studio Tour. Richard, can you tell us, this has been going on for a while, you've been a part yes. of this. What exactly is the tour all about? How does it work? Well, it's uh, we've got 27 artists this year in the tour. It's um, um, open studios across the city. Um, we actually have been running for, this is the 26th annual, so, you know, we're, uh, we're a bit of a mainstay in the arts community, and uh, we like to open up our doors and invite the public to come in and, and see how we do what we do and where we do it, and, you know, just have a good time and bring in spring. What kind of art do you create? Uh, I'm a sculptor. I work with uh, metals and, uh, and some found objects and uh, um, 
you know, in, in uh, three dimensions, you, you know, I've got the opportunity to sort of uh, spread myself out a little bit into uh, bigger pieces and smaller pieces. So I'm going to be showing anything from an inch and a half to up to uh, 14 feet. I you, love I love that stuff when there's like a horse statue made of like gears from a car or something like that. Yeah, Is that the kind of stuff you stuff. do? Yeah. yeah. You're well, describing I don't, I don't that. do that, but it's certainly in that vein. Yeah, I'm yeah. picturing your studio as like an old warehouse with like uh, broken windows, broken, you know, like <laughs> filled with berets, yeah. chains <laughs> hanging from the ceiling, sparks, like kind of like a, a flash a dance situation. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit it's of that. Close. Maybe, maybe a little less flash dance and a little more chains <laughs> from the ceiling, but yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's cool. And, you know, we've got, uh, we've got, that to uh, everything to people who have studios in their in their living room in their houses but uh well greg i know you've got a home studio you've been uh, working with paints for for over a decade now yep and i've been to your studio it yep. is a complete mess <laughs> yeah. How, have you tried to clean it or do you uh, like the mess because it makes it look like you're really doing a lot of art <laughs> or does it make the art better like a barbecue that you never clean it? You know what I mean? So like some art spills into other art? No, I'm not. Uh, I plan on not cleaning the studio at all. There's paint everywhere. There, yeah, it's totally Like if you ever try and covered, sell that house. There's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but I've kind of blocked off so like a three-foot section where you can just walk in. Uh-huh. And I have a mat on the ground and then that's as far as you're allowed and obviously, you see the studio, there's going to be art on display, yep. mm-hmm. an opportunity to buy from the artists as well as yep. you uh, tour their studios. Yeah, yep, for sure. Yep. There'll be that and demonstrations, uh, anything to do with the process. Well, I like that because I, I don't want to knock gallery owners, but it's always nice to go right to the source. You can get a bit of a deal yourself, and you know the money's going directly to the artist in Straight that case. Straight to the artist, yeah. Yep. And we also, you know, we, we don't get a chance. If you're if you're represented by a gallery, you really get a chance to actually meet the people that connect with your work. And that's, yeah. that's, the, that's kind of the exchange, you know. We want the community to come and see what we do, but we also want the community to come and, you know, have a conversation about it. Well, I'm just flipping through your, you got a, a flyer here, a pamphlet, and some of these works of art are incredible. Like, look at this one by Jamie. Oh, I know Jamie Jardine. Yeah, yeah. Jamie. Yeah, he's awesome. Great. He does a lot of like robot stuff. Yeah, yeah. look at that yeah. jet flying or a spaceship there. Just so many different styles. There's abstract stuff in here, landscapes. If yeah. if you're looking for oh, there's this is pretty creepy. A floating bear hovering above a car. Uh, Eric Cater, yeah, <laughs> trippy. Yeah, <laughs> hey, smoke a big fatty and then stare at that for four hours. <laughs> Holy cow, that's cool. Yeah, so whatever your tastes are, you're going to be able to find an artist that you connect with and. You can check their studio out and maybe pick up something uh, for your living room at home. The London Artist Studio Tour is going on this weekend starting tomorrow, the 26th, 27th, and 28th, so all weekend long. And if people want to find details, they can go to uh, www.londonstudiotour.ca. We look forward to checking out uh, your, your studios, but more than that, we look forward to seeing your art this weekend, guys. Thanks for stopping by. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having us. That's the Taz Show podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And remember, you can tune in on the radio, 95.9 on the uh, dial in the London area. That's FM 96 or FM 96.com.